0: Hey everyone, it's time for the Down in the Valley podcast. This is Todd Golden, sports editor and Indiana State beat writer for the Tribune Star. We are at episode 28. We are in the middle of the Bradley two-game series being played at Holman Center. Uh, I'm recording this at my house. Uh, Early morning hours of February 1st, I usually record these uh, after I get done with work. Um, Today was a little different. I had a rough day. my computer did something weird where my Microsoft Word just spooled and never loaded. Luckily I wasn't on deadline, it didn't make that it wasn't that big of a deal. I could go back to the office and write, but that distracted me for a significant part of the game as I was trying to figure out what was going on. That in my bag that I carry around my laptop broke as well. So uh a lot of silly issues. I left my fi device at home. That was dumb left part of my charger for my computer at home equally dumb if not more so so uh some self-inflicted errors on my part and then some errors that were inflicted upon me by my equipment so I was a little distracted you made note a little bit of grogginess in my voice no sickness or anything like that I just uh, didn't get much sleep last night so I'm going to record this upload it and uh, hit the sack so um but I can do so. I'm getting into the habit of recording these after wins. Um, I believe this is the third one in a row that I've recorded after an ISU win. And I actually, it should be a fourth one in a row because I did record one at Illinois State and wasn't able to upload it. But anyway, ISU defeats Bradley in game one of the series 60 to 57. Um, fascinating game. It wasn't, as Greg Lansing said after the game, it wasn't the best played game of all time like it wasn't like the um the ISU Southern game was the the opener to that series where both teams were really efficient and scoring and even defending at times at at a, at a high rate this one kind of waxed and waned with both teams but the one thing that was consistent all the way through it was is that both teams played with an edge and an intensity uh and a physical nature um that uh both teams like to believe is their trait, their uh personality, um their identity, that kind of thing. So so really kind of hard fought and and when you have a game like that, you go through phases where um both teams had their offense going at alternate times of the game. Indiana State probably best um in the first 10 minutes, well, really the first 7 minutes of the second half and Um, In a significant period after maybe the 10-minute mark of the first half leading up to halftime, ISU's offense was in the ascendant in that period. But then ISU went into a really long drought in the second half. It was over eight minutes uh, without a field goal. And at that point, Bradley, who looked like they were on the ropes at about the 10-minute mark, because even when ISU was struggling, so was Bradley um, in a lot of ways. But then ISU missed a couple free throws um they only shot 50 percent today we'll get into that a little bit later but um and you know it's like one of those things where you almost hand a team uh the momentum uh through your own actions rather than their own I mean Bradley sees a couple free throws not go through start to feel like okay well maybe it's maybe we can get back into this and sure enough they did they were able to take advantage of some um Errors in ball screen defense by Indiana State. Bradley started driving to the rim with quite a bit of authority. There was one dunk by I think it was Deshaun Henry, maybe at about the eight minute mark or so. That was one of the more impressive dunks I've seen. He just exploded to the basket. So good for him. That was that was quite a quite a uh, emphatic uh, throwdown. But so Bradley gets back into it. They actually briefly took the lead. Um, I think at about the 2:23 mark, maybe took a one point lead isu gets the the ball back they i'm trying to remember the sequence right i believe they tied it and then jake laravia hit a um baseline kind of leaner layup uh with i think it was one uh, 110 maybe left in the game don't quote me on that time my game story has it right um and it was an interesting shot too it was off a great feed from cam baycote we'll talk about him in a little bit too in a second but on the baseline, shot clock was running down, and when I watched it live, um, it was pretty clear that uh, that rink mast got a, a fingertip on it, and I think it would have been under replay, maybe be, maybe would have been goaltending because he actually got it on the way down, um, but then as uh, Rich Zavorac pointed out in the broadcast, which I watched later, um, it actually probably helped the get to the get to the rim. <laughs> so so that worked out. Um there were a couple empty possessions by both teams after that, um, but it ultimately set up Bradley's last possession and um which I believe they they called a timeout. There might have been maybe 23 seconds left when they did so. And ISU did a good job reading a uh, reading what Bradley wanted to do. Um and it, you know it wasn't too difficult. I mean Elijah Childs is their best player. Uh, their most experienced player. They wanted the ball in his hands. ISG, ISU correctly assumed that's what Bradley wanted to do. They double teamed him at the elbow. Childs was forced to give up the ball, and at that point, Bradley had to do something. Um, both uh, Danya Kingsby and uh and Henry, both had <clears throat> shots at the basket. And neither one of them fell. There was some contact on both of them. Um, I I did read some Bradley fans were a little uh, annoyed that nothing was called. Brian Wardell, Bradley's coach, didn't say anything directly about it after the game, but you can almost sense in his remarks um, a little frustration with the fact that um, Bradley only went to the line seven times tonight. So whether you want to draw a conclusion that he's also frustrated with with not getting a call in that situation is up to you. Um, but no call. Julian Leary ultimately comes up with a rebound with 1.9 seconds left, and that was that. He hit one free throw to make it a three-point game, but Bradley wasn't able to do anything with the ball um, after he missed the second one. So hard-fought win, great win for Indiana State. They have won five in a row now and six of their last seven. Um, Apart from Drake, who's the hottest team in college basketball generally, uh, and Loyola, the Sycamores are the next hottest team in the Valley and uh, getting the job done in these home series that you hoped they would. I mean, uh, you know, you you look at a schedule and it's very, very easy to look at it and say, these teams are easy. These teams are hard. And it almost never works out that way. Um, And really none of the games Indiana, Indiana State has played in this streak have been easy at all. And I think that's actually helping them. But You looked at after they got done with the gauntlet to start the season against Drake, who's unbeaten still, uh, although they nearly went down tonight to Illinois State in overtime. Um, Then they play at Missouri State, and Missouri State's a good team and a bad matchup for Indiana State. That was always going to be a challenge. Lose two there, and then they split with Loyola at home to get to one and five in the league. Loyola hasn't lost since, by the way. Um... And it looks bleak, but you looked at the schedule and was like, "Okay, there's an opportunity here to get back into it if you play to the potential that your team has." And fortunately for Indiana State, that's exactly what they've done with the sweep of Illinois State on the road. Sweeping Southern Illinois at home was big, and now you at least have a split against Bradley to get to six and five in the league. So, um, and with the way the Valley, with the way the Valley typically does tiebreakers, I should I shouldn't speak out of turn because. Um, you know we still have COVID potential issues with tiebreakers but in recent years the Valley's been using um if there's no if there's a split uh they've been using the N C A net rankings and right now ISU is ahead of Bradley in the net so so if that maintains then ISU wins a tiebreaker with Bradley that's why the Sycamores won one last year when they tied for third so um so we're getting ahead of ourselves we got a lot of games to go until we get to that point but the sycamores have put themselves obviously in a much much better spot than they would have been otherwise and um this was a strange game like i said i mean it was it was very physical the officials certainly kept their whistles in their pockets both ways there was a lot of contact i thought um that was allowed to uh to carry on initiated by both teams um but that's okay as long as they're consistent both ways it's not a problem um you look at it and it was weird because you look at the individual statistics and you don't see anything spectacular you see a lot of really good um but isu collectively did some things really well in this game i mean i guess the first thing to bring up is rebounding um brad uh, indiana state had a 39 to 30 advantage in rebounds but it was much higher than that um earlier in the game at halftime isu had a 24 to 10 edge and i'm struggling to remember the last time ISU had had a rebounding advantage that big at halftime against a Valley opponent. It's probably been a while. That's difficult for me to check, but um but that's a significant um advantage against a team in Bradley. That doesn't with Ari Boya out who was in a boot today. ISU thought he might be playing in this series, but it appears he won't. Um that changes the calculus a bit for the Braves. Elijah Childs is really their most physical rebounder after him and Elijah Childs is really good he had eight rebounds today but it certainly helps when he has a foil down in the paint to help him out Rick Mast has some size uh, but he's young and he's still learning although he did have nine rebounds today so not a bad effort from him Um, so the rebounding was a collective part of the effort Um, ISU got balanced scoring today which uh is something that kind of comes and goes with this team a little bit. You remember last week when we did the podcast I you came off a game where the bench didn't score at all and still managed to win. Well, tonight um you get 6 from Cam Baycote, 3 from Randy Miller, 9 from Kobe Barnes who just seemed to be in the right place at the right time for a lot of his points. Uh, several of them came or or two of the buckets came off of offensive rebounds where he was just in the right place on the uh on the other side of the on the weak side of the basket to get the offensive board and a putback. so uh but whatever it takes i mean that's a smart play and um you know it would have been very it would be very easy for somebody to just release up the floor on a shot and uh to get back on offense but or get back on defense but uh kobe was uh in the right place at the right time and picked up some points out of it so um you know the leading scorers were Jake Laravia with 12 and Tyree Key with 12. Those aren't high numbers, but they don't need to be high numbers in a, you know, relatively low possession game uh, when you have other people helping you out. So that was a big deal for Indiana, Indiana State. Um, defensively, like I said, there were times where ISU was great. I think Bradley at one point in the first half had a series uh where they they failed to score on 12 out of 13 possessions they shot 39 percent the first half uh shot really well or er, er, relatively well early-ish and then late-ish um surrounded by that drought that they went on bradley got a lot better as i mentioned in the second half shot 52 percent, so it wasn't a consistent defensive effort but it was good enough and what isu did do or bradley did it themselves depending on how you want to look at it is forced them into a lot of mistakes. Bradley had 14 turnovers, but a lot of them were unforced, a lot of fumbles, a lot of kind of dropped balls on the sideline Bradley lost. Their guards were in a hurry tonight, and that's a credit to ISU's defense. It may not show up in the shooting percentage, but it did show up in their kind of frantic manner that Bradley ran their offense, and to be fair, Indiana State wasn't great either in that regard. ISU also had 14 turnovers and also had their share of unforced errors uh, some fumbles on passes things like that theirs were a little bit different than Bradley's those were ISUs were more you know sloppy ball handling kind of turnovers or fumbles on passes Bradley's was losing a lot of theirs out of bounds for some reason it was uh, it was it was I guess it evened itself out in the end but but certainly ISU deserves some credit for speeding their guards up because their guards collectively did not have a good game today. Starters, uh, Danya Kingsby, Terry Nolan Jr., and Sean East second were a combined one of 12 from the field. So that's quite an effort there from ISU's defense. Only one rebound between them. Um, they did have eight assists between them, but also six turnovers. So um, Bradley usually gets quite a bit more scoring out of Nolan in particular um and Sean East so that is uh that's quite an effort from Indiana State although you look at it coming off the bench and these guys come off the bench but they play big minutes Deshaun Henry had 14 uh Vili Tavanainen had 17 so it wasn't a completely great effort but at least ISU kept uh Bradley's starting guards from uh really doing much tonight so and ISU had some adversity to get through I mean uh You look at this, Trey Williams took one shot tonight. Now, he was fouled three times. He went to the line six times, only made two. But he got into foul trouble, and really Icy's plan, and it was working really well early, was to use Trey and Jake Laravia to um, to, uh, double uh, Elijah Childs, and it was throwing him off when they were able to do that. But once Trey got into foul trouble, that meant Jake had to defend Elijah Childs on his own, and he did a good job. Um, but that wasn't really the plan, and so when you throw, when you get somebody into foul trouble and it's an integral part of your defensive plan, you know, the cascading effect goes to everybody else, as I mentioned in the respect that Jake uh, then had to um, guard Elijah Childs man-to-man himself, so um, so those do have an influence, so I see you to get through that, um, you know it wasn't a great day like I mentioned they had the long drought in the second half it wasn't a consistent day offensively Um, you know it it, and it was just it was a battle they had to get through it and they found a way and that's a credit to the uh, toughness of this team I thought Indiana State did show quite a bit of toughness today I think they've been showing it uh, throughout this win streak because like I mentioned I mean there hasn't been a blowout win in any of these uh, five victories so um, that shows that you have a little gumption to get the job done when the chips are down. So, um, that's a good thing. Let's look at some of the players for Indiana State. Like I already talked about, Trey Williams. In addition to the O for one, he did have six rebounds uh, playing twenty-two minutes. That's an impressive clip. Three turnovers though. He was guilty of some of those fumbles down in the paint. So. Uh, not Trey's strongest day. Although you look at it plus minus wise, it shows his impact. He was a plus six on a day where I see he was a plus three, uh, where he only played, where he played probably ten minutes fewer than he d- typically does. So that shows how important he is to Indiana State. So uh, he'll have to have a bounce back game tomorrow because they won't, they can't afford to have him in uh, foul trouble two games in a row. So. Next up on the list, Jake Laravia, he had, uh, I'd say he had the best game out of any of the Sycamores today. His line bears that out, four of eight from the field, made his only three-point shot, free throws were a weakness, three for eight, they were a weakness for everybody today on the Sycamores. Nine boards, fouled five times, uh, second only to Tyreek Key in that department, 12 points, two assists, one turnover, four steals, and I think you know, I'll credit the guards, but also credit Jake for rolling off of um, his defender and, um, you know, making those Bradley guards nervous. He's a presence out there, and it certainly was felt today, and Loravia also had one block. So, great day from Jake. He stayed out of foul trouble for the third game in a row, and that's what the Sycamores need. Cooper Nice played 24 minutes, 4 of 9 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3-point range, 3 rebounds, 9 points, 4 assists. Cooper was a bit of a mystery at the end of the game. You may have noticed uh, that he was not playing uh, at the end of the game. I noticed it when Cam Baycoat was playing uh, winning time minutes uh, for the first time all year. And Greg Lansing, in the Zoom meeting with him I had after the game, said that it was a basically a coach's decision, that, they, that Cooper had been sitting for a while um, and that they liked having a couple of ball handlers on the floor at the same time. He said uh Kareem Richardson, uh, ISU's uh, associate head coach, talked to him, said that it was better to have Cam on the floor. So that's what Greg said, and I believe he said the same thing on the radio. I also heard Cooper may have had a very minor ankle thing that was bugging him uh after having been on the bench for a bit. Regardless, Greg said it wasn't a big deal, uh so we'll, we'll know for sure tomorrow uh when and if we see Cooper in the starting lineup, but that was unusual for him to not be on the floor. But um all in all, yet another you know, Cooper's been very consistent this year. I'm sure he wishes he made a couple more of those three point shots, but but he's been good this year and uh can't complain about his effort. Julian Larry gets the start today after Tobias Howard Jr. Um and we'll talk about him in a moment um is he's suspended. Uh, Julian had a good game. Two of three from the field, three of four at the line, two rebounds, seven points, two assists, two steals. So um, another positive game, second positive game in a row for the freshman. And uh, I think without him looking over his shoulder, he looked like a player who wasn't looking over his shoulder tonight. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. So when you're not looking over your shoulder, you feel more free, you feel more confident in the job you're doing and um, that's a big plus. Uh, sometimes sometimes guys get complacent in that situation, but clearly Julian did not. He's uh, taking it to heart. Feels like maybe it's his job to lose again and uh, did a good job tonight. Tyreek Key, 3 of 13 from the field, 2 of 6, 4 of 6 at the line, 8 rebounds, 12 points, 1 assist. Uh, Tyreek did a great job tonight of, Drawing Bradley's guards into foul trouble. I mean, he drew seven fouls tonight, and almost all of them were just him being a kind of a savvy um you know, he's showing just like a little hesitation move to get them moving, and then he'd drive in their direction and they'd have to foul him. I mean, Tyreek does a great job of that. Um and uh, you know, that was primarily you look at the fouls here. Kingsby had four, Nolan had four. East had two, Deshaun Henry had three, and a lot of those were on Tyreek Key. So that's what he can do. That's what he needs to do. Um, Three of 13 from the field isn't great, but you can live with that if he's getting to the line. And although six free throws isn't a ton, um, the fact is, is that the fouls that he drew ultimately got ISU to the line 26 times. Now they shot poorly when they got there, but they don't shoot poorly all the time. And so you'll take a twenty six to seven edge in free throw shooting all day long, and the, primarily that's Tyreek uh, creating those opportunities. So, kudos to him tonight. He um, he he defended. I mean, he defended Henry quite a bit, and Henry had a good game. So probably needs to do a little bit better job on that side of the floor. But all in all. Despite the 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 shooting line, it was a pretty good night for Tyree Key. Cam Bayco played eighteen minutes tonight. Two of four from the field. Two of two from three point range. One board, six points, two assists, and a turnover. Cam is much like uh, Julian Larry in the respect that, um, he had to he had a defined role and a role where he had to be trusted to perform. And I think it's tough sometimes for guys who come off the bench who don't have that. Like if they're just coming in for a, like Cam has been doing, for like a five-minute spate where you might play, you may not play at all during a half, usually depends on whether somebody gets into foul trouble or not, that's a tough role to have, and it's a tough role to get ready for because you really don't know what to get ready for. Tonight, it was very clear that Cam was going to be backup point guard. Um, He was going to have that role and he was going to have to go out there and uh, facilitate the offense uh, without being having any fear of being yanked after three or four minutes because somebody got their rest or enough time went off the clock to where you know you could bring a starter back in. He knew he was going to be playing those minutes and he responded really well to it. Um, now he threw up a couple shots that you know weren't good. He threw one off the side of the backboard I think in the first half and Um, he was forced to take a shot in the last minute. That wasn't a great one, but that was because Bradley did a good job on ISU's other options. But I thought Cam had a really good game tonight. He had the assist to Laravia on his, what turned out to be the game-winning bucket. Uh, so give him a little bit of responsibility, and Cam responded to it, and that's all you can ask, uh, out of your uh, point guard. Nago now played close to five minutes tonight. Um, didn't really have much of a line, just a turnover um he was basically just in there scrapping um I noticed watching the replay uh he was in there contributing to the double team of childs there for a little while after Trey Williams got his initial rest in the first half so Nongo just goes out there and works hard and that's what he does uh Kobe Barnes 17 minutes tonight four of seven from the field uh three rebounds nine points and we talked about Kobe a little bit already uh but just went out there and did his work ethic thing um needs to get his three point shot going. He missed both of his attempts tonight, but um but like I said, he was Johnny on the spot a couple times in the right place at the right time. So um so that's the sycamores. Um you know, a couple other statistical points are, you know, Bradley had the edge in points in the paint. That was from all those straight line drives they were doing second half, 34 to 22. ISU had the edge in points off turnover, sixteen fourteen. Um, Bradley had the bet bench point edge, but then Henry and and basically play starter minutes, so that's a little bit misleading. Apart from that, you pretty much know the story. Um, Bradley did play tonight, like I mentioned, without Ari Boya. Uh, their big seven-footer who's given ISU plenty of trouble when they have seen him in the past, so um, Sycamores were you know, probably glad they didn't have to face him so let's talk about the is missing, that's Tobias Howard Jr., who, since we recorded the last podcast, um, has been suspended indefinitely by coach, by uh, Greg Lansing, and it stemmed from um, the second game against Southern Illinois last week, where um, Tobias was removed about five minutes into the game. Something had happened on the floor that uh, missed a Simon or something like that, that uh that Lansing didn't care for based on the inference of the conversations I've had and from what I've heard, something was said back and Lansing didn't like it and uh, basically benched him. So and Lansing didn't like Howard's response to that afterwards. Um, Howard uh, I, I never noticed you know, I was watching him during that Southern game on the sideline because I wondered whether of course I wondered whether he got hurt or not. And didn't notice anything demonstrative, but I'm not, I'm, you know, 50 yards away from where they're sitting these days. So I can't hear anything. Um, But I, Lansing didn't like his attitude on the sideline and he definitely didn't like it in the locker room after ISU beat Southern uh, where, you know, the rest of the team was celebrating and allegedly Howard was just kind of keeping to himself and, um, you know, wrapped up in, in what happened to him more so than what happened to the team. So, But, you know, Lansing also alluded to the fact, both in the press conference and in conversations he's had since, that this was something that he's had to talk to Tobias about before. So this wasn't out of the clear blue sky. I mean, there's been other discussions that have been had with Tobias, both in a practice forum and and behind closed doors. So this was sort of the culmination of that, which tells you that, you know, There's uh, things that Lansing wanted delivered on in terms of team commitment. They weren't delivered, and so he pulled the trigger on the indefinite suspension um, for violation of team rules. So the door is not closed on Howard. Um, Lansing made that clear to me. Um, This Bradley series basically serves as a kind of a break, I guess. That's not necessarily probably how they would put it, but get away from the team see where your commitment is and then come back if you want to come back the right you know with your mind right basically or don't so that's where it kind of is right now with that um, as I understand it so um, so we'll see so he definitely won't play tomorrow against Bradley that would open up the possibility that he might play um, in the next series up at northern Iowa next weekend so we'll see we'll keep an eye on it. Um, did it affect the game tonight? Might've affected ISU's offense a little bit. Obviously, um, TJ's strength in his game is his ability to score. Um, <clears throat> but I also felt like, you know, the team, I, I don't want to make too much of a thing about it. I, I I was about to say the team seemed a little bit more unified in purpose, but that's probably reaching a little bit. We'll see what, what we see tomorrow, um, I didn't get a chance to really talk to anybody about the influence of not having TJ play or not. Um, so I want to be fair about that. I mean, I don't want to draw too many conclusions. So we'll see how it goes after game two tomorrow to see if there's anything that is noticeable about him being gone or, or whether the team just continues to soldier on. So, um, so that's uh, one development that happened in the last week um apart from that it's been relatively quiet um the one thing i noticed today i did put this out there on twitter and i did want to elaborate a little bit on this um because it it's i've noticed it throughout the valley season at some uh, for some teams not all teams but i did some th- throw something out there about um teams chirping during free throws and i really hate it um in the covid day and age where you have at at home and center you have families in there and that's it um when i went to illinois state there was nobody in there but us and the staffs and of course we in the media aren't cheering we're not allowed to we don't want to it's not our role um so all the noise is basically being created by the teams and i love the fact that they're shouting and stuff like that during games that stuff i really enjoy you know getting your team fired up and and all of that, um, that first Southern um, ISU game last week was raucous from both benches. And I love that enthusiasm, um, getting your own team fired up, getting hyped up when somebody gets a dunk or something like that. Love it. Nothing wrong with that. But it's always been an unwritten rule in basketball. And I'm sorry to be old man yelling at Cloud citing unwritten rules, but it is an un, it is always been... Basically, um protocol that when a team is shooting free throws, you shut up. You don't say anything. You don't yell from the bench. Now, over the years, I have noticed some coaches will strategically shout out an instruction, quote-unquote, while a guy is going through his free throw motion. Um, I've seen that happen a lot. And it's sort of considered to be Bush League when you do that um because nobody's stupid it's being done on purpose to try to screw up a guy's free throw so you'd see that occasionally but you very very rarely saw anybody chirping like players chirping on the bench when somebody else is shooting a free throw that just was considered to be taboo you don't do it but this year i've noticed a lot of teams have been doing it um and um and Bradley was doing it on um last night and it just it bothers me it's just it's not supposed to be part of the game that you do that and i think it bothers some people i don't want to name any names but i know it can be annoying to uh some people associated with ISU um i just i just don't care for it i i, I don't think that should be done maybe i'm old fashioned maybe i'm just being uh you know too too uh frustrated about it, I guess it does happen in other sports. I understand that, but it's just never been a part of basketball and so it it bothers me that that's going on. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean if you complain about it, then you signal that it's getting into your head, so you can't really do that um and to be fair, that's not why i s u was fifty percent from the line tonight. That's a separate issue. Um, You still got to make your free throws regardless of who's shouting. So I'm not blaming ISU's bad free throw shooting on opposing players shouting from the bench. But I just don't like it. I wouldn't like it if Indiana State was doing it. So um, I hope teams can cut it out. I, I know nobody's going to cut it out because I'm saying it on this podcast. But I, that would be my hope. But probably not going to happen. So just wanted to get that out there. I did tweet that during the game. I was probably a little bit more cagey about the tweet, but I just don't care for it. But that does get to free throws, and IC was 13 of 26 tonight. And, they, you know, see's margin for error, obviously, given that they've won five close games in a row, is, you know, not enough usually to overcome a 50% free throw shooting uh, performance. So um, some of the guys who missed them tonight are guys who, you know, Tyreek Keem is two tonight. That doesn't happen very often. Laravia isn't a great free throw shooter, but he's not three for eight bad either, so he had a bad night, so hopefully that's just a one-night blip. Of course, there was a game, um, I think it was the game, one of the games in Illinois State where I see was like 22 of 26, so I guess these going, you know, it happens, but that's something certainly that, uh, that's a separate issue. Like I said, I'm not trying to blame ISU's free throw. That's this isn't a co- it it's sort of a coincidence that I'm bringing up the free throw thing because I noticed it tonight, but again, ISU's free throw shooting at fifty percent tonight is a different issue. So I want to make that clear. Um apart from that, that's pretty much it. I'm gonna keep this one short. Um I assume next week I'll be recording this from a hotel room up in northern Iowa. Assuming I get up there, it's supposed to be a pretty nasty storm on Friday, so I'm trying to figure out a way to get around that. And uh, then it's going to be super-duper cold, just as I would expect it to be up at northern Iowa this time of year. It's going to be below zero uh, up in Cedar Falls, and um, been there, done that many times. So anyway, I'm going to cut it off there. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you again next time.